You are now listening to Feeding Off Each Other. Welcome, everybody. Episode 20. The podcast is no longer a teenager. Oh, they grow up so fast. I can finally date the podcast. <laughs> finally. Welcome back to Feeding Off Each Other. The something something podcast. I don't have the intro in front of me. I should remember this by heart, I guess. The show where we chat to people way more interesting than ourselves in the hopes of stealing some of their sweet, sweet talent and knowledge. Wow, you said that with such passion. Is that I, off book? Yeah, that was off. Wow, dude. There's no book. And today we actually have a guest. And he's here. But we won't reveal him yet because that's what we do, I guess. <laughs> it's the incentive to watch on YouTube is you get the early reveal. Yeah. Of who it is. Also, if you don't read the title. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll look at the thumbnail. Or, or look, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, we, we usually kind of ramble before we get to the day guest, but I feel like we have so much to talk about. I just want to get right into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, screw the pre-guest pre discussion and your fun fact of the week. What about the speak pipe? Oh, man. Oh, you know, even the fun fact of the day would be, oh, I would miss it a lot. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Okay. You got a speak pipe message? Oh, yeah. Wait, give me a sec. Here, I'll give the fun fact of the day. Okay. The fun fact of the day is that Toy Story 2 was almost deleted from existence. Why? Did you know that? Uh, there was some sort of server thing at Pixar where it just had this, like, it was just formatting. And it just literally formatted the whole thing. And the only reason they had the project was someone was, like, on maternity leave. One of the producers or editors or something. And she had the backup at her home. That was it. That was the only copy. And so the whole crew had to go back to her. Like they all went to her place and they like moved her computer as though it was like baby Jesus or something. <laughs> um, so. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it actually is pretty crazy. So literally that movie. And also oh, other, <laughs> other Toy Story 2 fun fact is that um, it was originally supposed to be a straight to video release. Toy Story 2? Yeah, because at that time, most of the sequels to Disney movies were direct to video. So like Lion King 2, Aladdin 2. So they're like, yeah, we'll just do that. And then they made it and we're like, oh, this is really good. Is Toy Story 2 the one where they fall into the fire at the end? Spoilers. <clears throat> That's three. Three? Okay, yeah. three was. Two's where oh. there's like the over-enthusiastic toy collector. Yeah, and guy. it introduces all like the new Western characters. And right. Like, it goes into like Woody's backstory instead Je of Buzz's. Jesse? Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Play the speak pipes. Oh, I think we might only have one. That's okay. Well, at least from Big Al. Oh, it's from... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We only have one, so that means there's no feedback from my mother. No. Uh, we ha we, we're not going to learn the true story of Kaz and the hose this no. week, I guess. So it's not a mom pod. No. And uh, yeah, I guess generally just complaints about the podcast are low. No complaints. Yeah, everyone loves everything about it. Perfect. Okay, well, then let's hear the speak pipe. Hola, mis amigos. Es Alonso. I'm eating tacos, and they are busting. Uh, that begs the question, what country do you think has the best cuisine? Hasta luego. <laughs> Did he say the tacos were busting? They yeah, were busting. I think he meant bussin'. Nah, yeah, bu busting. Like, they were, they were so full, they were just busting with toppings. Oh, I thought they were, like, busting in his, like, mouth as he ate them. No, they're not, they're not gushers. I Sometimes oh, they maybe we'll just never know. 
Uh, what was his question? Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite cuisine. Oh, what right. country has the best cuisine? Oh, uh, Italy. That's a good one. Great pasta. It's a real basic Italy. answer. Uh, man, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would say Mexico. Right. I would say tacos. Never been, though. So You've never been? No. Uh, how about, I mean, this is the United States, but I'm mean, probably my favorite thing to eat in the world is poke from Hawaii. Mm. So the United States. I feel what like you can get answer. good food from a lot of nationalities everywhere these days. Nobody cares. Say something. I really like Indian food. Okay. Have you been to India? No. Well, then how do you know that? <laughs> Come on. You well, to, like yeah. you can't make Indian food in Canada? What, what are <laughs> well, we talking what I about? Saying. I was only saying places that I've been, so. It's like being like, oh, well, you've never been to Champagne, so you can't oh have had Champagne, God. you know? Wow. Okay, we're really charged up at each other. It's a Monday morning. It's early. We, this is, you know, rough start to the podcast, but. Yeah. Jason, did you say you're. I said it early. <laughs> okay. But said... <laughs> I've also had really good Italian food in Canada, so that's like. All right. Well, but yeah, Italy. This is all very important. Let's get to the intro to our guest today. Wait, let's also tell people to put in their speak pipes. Oh, yeah, please. Speakpipe.com slash feeding off each other. We'll read it live on air or play it, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's audio. Yep. Okay, now we can do the intro. Okay, good. All right, today's guest is a DP, a.k.a. a director of photography, a.k.a. a cinematographer, a.k.a. a cinematographer, a.k.a. a guy who knows how to use a camera really well, no matter what you want to call him. He's known for his work in commercials, music videos, feature-length films. He's a wizard behind the camera, an incredible collaborator. We've been fortunate enough to work with him on several projects, such as How to Buy a Mount Bike, Looks Like a Session, Once Daily Bikes by Trek, Night of the Spark, My Best Friend on the Trail, Project One, Super Caliber, Wismas, and most recently, dot, 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 we forgot to write something. <laughs> it just says most recently. Oh, yeah. I meant to move my <laughs> yeah. best friend on the trail to the end. Okay. <laughs> and most recently, my best friend on the trail. Besides his work in film, he's a dog dad, a human dad, a boat dad. Ladies and gentlemen, Byron Cotman in the building. Byron! <laughs> <laughs> Where's that Hello, from? hello. Hello. Finally, you can speak. Oh, man. And I've been holding it back because I've thought a lot about this question about the food. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. The... the the add-on question is if you had to have one food for the rest of your life, mm. one style. Um, I've narrowed it down to Mexican. Yeah. Just because it's fresh <clears throat> and variety and good. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I could eat tacos any day of the week, probably any type of taco. Mm. Good answer. You've been to Mexico. Many times, yeah. Yeah, working in, just uh, hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good contribution to the speak pipe. I'd go with Gangnam style. Gangnam style? What? It's just a bad joke. As a type of food? Oh, because you said style of food? Yeah, he said <laughs> Mexican. Gee. But in that case, I might go animal style, in and out, right? Yeah, exactly. Doggy. Nice little callback. Yeah, we had a lot of in and out recently. Uh, Actually, not even a lot. No, you only had it once. I had it once. Why did you, Jason, why did you only have it once? What do you mean? What was this? I mean, you could have had it twice. Uh, oh, God. Oh. Let's start for another pod. We're all charged up already. Yeah. This Are you an in and out guy, Byron? I'm not. I don't know what the hype's about. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's good. It's not great. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Do you like Shake Shack? A bit more. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. What about Smashburger? Never had it. It's quite good. I had it at the airport, and it was actually really good. And I had a turkey burger. Nice. Yeah. 
Good, good content. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't have that uh, sound clip lined up. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's talk to Byron. There's so much we could talk about. So many different things we could... I, I, I don't even know where to begin other than just learning a little bit more about your backstory of how you got into film. I know that you really worked your way up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just tell us about your journey in film. And also, similar to us, you started off in bikes. and Yeah, totally. So yeah. since I was 12, I worked, or didn't work, I filmed and mountain biked. So I, I was a mountain biker and snowboarder, and I would film my friends with our family's camera. Uh, it was a good time. My friends were all really good at biking and snowboarding, and they were like, as soon as, as, soon as backflips and 360s came out, I kind of like stopped progressing with them. So it was, I was too cautious, <laughs> scared of getting hurt. Uh, so I just kind of became the dedicated filmer, uh, which I liked, and I would edit. And then uh, I went, I was about to go to film school out of high school, and my dad's customer um, was a production manager, didn't know what that was at the time but he's like just don't go to film school uh say my name at all these rental houses and they'll they'll hire you i'm like okay i don't know what this guy's role is or what what he does or and i so i applied to all these places and i was going to be in the camera department so all i knew was cameras like my family's cameras and i just liked filming stuff so i did my first interview i'm 17 just about to graduate high school and i they're like do do the interview and he's like what do you think? I'm like, where's the camera department? He's like, oh, we got rid of the whole department three months ago. And he's like, without a beat. He's like, you want to start on Monday in lighting? And I was like, uh. <laughs> okay. I had no clue and like nothing about lights or anything. So yeah, and then I worked there two and a half years, met people every like on the floor, you know, like people renting equipment. And I'm like, what are you guys working on? And then I'm like, I'll come for free. You know, I, I did that every weekend. I worked five days a week at the place. I worked every weekend for free with these people, just random people, made connections, and then uh, transitioned into some bigger crews. But I've had so much experience at this point that my first day with a big crew, I just like stayed. Like they saw that I knew what I was doing and I just they just asked me to come back the next day and the next day and the next day. So I worked two years in commercials and then I worked, two years in MOWs, which is movies of the week, like those like Hallmark movies, not a good place to learn, not a good place to like be forever. And then I worked eight years on Supernatural TV show, all in lighting, but always pursuing my camera stuff. I didn't even know it was called director of photography or cinematographer. I was just like, like filming. Um, and then here we are. And it's all I've ever done. I worked in restaurants as a kid. And then out of high school, I just worked in film. And I've, uh, I was doing the math the other day, 18 years I've been in film. Oh, well, I also, we, in your intro, we never uh, mentioned your background. Where are you from, Byron? I'm um, from South Africa, but my family moved to Vancouver when I was eight. Hence, no accent. And the restaurant that you worked in, that was South Africa? No, it's here. <laughs> oh, okay. When he was like seven? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, th- I thought I remember you telling me about like some like sandwich uh, shop. Yeah, my parents owned, um, I, I worked at it without getting paid. But when I was a little kid, like my, I would just go there to, my parents were like immigrants who had no family here. And they, I would just go, they'd work, be working at the shop, the cafe. And I would just, my brother and I would just go sit there or, or help at the shop. 
my mom told me once that one day I just came to her and I was like, mom, I figured it out. If I'm really nice to the old ladies, they give me more tips. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, good yeah. code for life there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like uh, growing up in South Africa? What do you, what do you remember? Yeah, I don't remember too much. I only have like a couple memories of school. So the schools are different. Private school is uh, like the, the uniforms are like flipped. It's like weird. It's like the opposite uniforms in public school and private schools, whatever they want to do or something. I can't remember. It's just different. Um, but I remember like some of the kids being so aggressive, but I'm not sure if that's just a kid thing or a South Africa thing. But, and I also remember our family house getting broken into a lot. Our cars like halfway out the driveway um, and then like the way you live at home is your you have a front door, a gate right eight inches after that, then you go in, and then your living area is one section, and then all your bedrooms are gated within the hallway. So you have a gate in your hallway, and then all the bedrooms for your fa- the family are over there. Oh wow. Um, but it's just the way you live, so you don't know any different until you leave. Was it like a pretty wild transition leaving and coming to Canada and be like, where, where's all the gates? Yeah, for sure. Um, a funny transition uh, for the podcast. Is my There was no such thing as boxer shorts, like underwear. So my, I was in grade three, so my parents sent me to school in shorts. So I had tidy whities and then I had Bugs Bunny boxer shorts. <laughs> As my shorts with a P <laughs> flat. That's pretty neat. <laughs> and the kids at school were like, um, do you know you're wearing underwear? I'm like, no, they're shorts. <laughs> I, and then I was like, I tell my mom that it's not a thing. That's so cute. I was a tidy whitey guy until like, I feel like pretty late in the game. Like I just didn't know any better. That's just what my parents bought me. And then, did, did you wear boxers over your tidy whiteies? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I just wore Teddy Whitey's to school. That's all I wore. You wore yeah. Yeah. Okay. You wore Teddy Whitey's yeah. over Until pretty jeans. late in the game. Yeah, it was like second year like of university. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any interest in film uh, when you were a kid? Uh, not that I know of. Mm. Like, I have a really bad memory with movies. Like, I could have seen a movie, enjoyed it, and then five years later, I'm like, I don't know if I've seen that one. I can relate. Yeah, I'm so like so bad with celebrities and movie titles it's pretty bad for my role currently because everyone likes to riff on inspiration and well yeah you're talking to the two riff guys over here these guys they're they leisurely talk about tvs movie shows and make fun of me when i can't when i haven't seen it or i can't remember it so right on brother (laughs) (laughs) our ignorance brings us closer together yeah Yeah, it's it's uh it's really tough for me i don't know what it is but anyway something to get better at you you guys are just doers yeah exactly yeah we're just full steam ahead just one direction well what does that make you guys then you're harry styles you're liam payne losers losers doers and losers (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i can get behind that like in 1998 (laughs) go on toy story 2 (laughs) oh yeah almost deleted (laughs) did you you just recall that or did you like search i i googled this morning movie fun fact and then it just said toy story 2 was almost deleted and i remembered that story wow yeah Good story. Man, there's going to be so much nerd virgin energy on this podcast today. <laughs> Holy smokes. But Welcome that's okay. To the I'm incel not, cast. I am not <laughs> I am not scared to dive into the nerdy topics today. That's what we're that's what we're here for. 
So, um, what was your first memory that kind of like you, you're doing something with cameras and you realize like, Hey, I, I really enjoy this or I'm good at it. Was there a particular project, even if it was like a bike thing early on, like what was the first time you picked up a camera and you enjoyed it? Yeah. I think the, the part that like made me realize that I really, really liked it is kind of in the editing process. Mm. Like if I, if I like something even till this day, I'll watch the end product like 50 times, mm. even if I've made it or like, but if I, like, if I'm medium about it, I'll just like watch it a couple times and check my workout and then have to watch another pass and see if watch it holistically. I kind of, you watch, you start watching your stuff very narrow mindedly, like very focused about like just the visuals. And then it's so hard to kind of watch it as a whole for a, just an, an average viewer. But I guess the, to answer your question, mm-hmm. editing, seeing something that I've filmed, edited, and then really enjoyed watching myself. That kind of like was the aha moment. What's what's the, when people ask you what was the very first video you ever made? What do you say? I've never been asked that, but I, I'd oh. say it's like either my brother skate, skateboarding or just like my close friends mountain biking. Okay, yeah. so you you actually were filming skateboarding before. Mountain biking? At the same time. Okay. Kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Action, move, motion. The nice thing with the skateboarding is you got you kind of commit to one wide lens and you just skateboard yeah. behind. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. who were you filming mountain bike projects with? Um, my closest friends uh, growing up were like Jeff Golovich, Eric Lornick, Ross Measures. But I guess as far as people that are still doing it in the pro world is jeff golovich but I, and i met all these people at griffin skate park north van uh, just i was there biking and then they were there biking and we became friends and um still friends to this day like 20 years later it's like eerily similar to the origins of ihd <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah eerily similar yeah I, I i enjoy how we have a pretty similar background in that way oh griffin skate park bowl yeah or what is this this yeah, is delbrook it's like edgemont village Oh, yeah, okay, I've driven by that a couple times. And from that day, so I must have been 12, I'm 35 now, so that's 23 years. Yep. Um, I was like, I really want to live in this neighborhood, and I've just recently did it. So it's like, nice box check. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right it's by awesome. skate park? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't gone to it since, because I just don't have time to even do anything, but... Right. The scary place is like a person in your thirties <laughs> showing up to a skate park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello, fellow kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Full body armor. <laughs> it's funny how so many of us have roots in mountain biking. What do you think that filming mountain bikes gave you, like in terms of like a like a groundwork for film? Like, what is it? What did mm. it? What does it teach you? It teaches you uh, hard work because it's hard to get places. Weather's not sweet, so it also teaches you just to like persevere and um you can also like you learn uh, it's all natural light so you don't get to like create light you kind of are watching for like light windows or you you realize that sun is not that great for trees you you just learn about lighting subconsciously you know like you're not really trying but you learn it i find snowboarding filming snow is actually even more so because it's very fickle in the light like if it's gray it's horrible like you might as well not roll a camera and you have to window shop and get little pockets of sun 
and you really watch the cloud movement and the sun, sun position. And I guess you're also learning how to work with someone else and manage their emotions and totally. energy levels. And like stress is pretty high when it's normally you're filming somebody doing something that's a little bit out of the either a little bit or massively out of their comfort zone. So you're like, yeah, you got to be like uh, respectful and like choose your wording. I don't know. You learn a lot about like communication with somebody like that is on the edge or very. Yeah. I, and I suppose just working through pressure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's more stakes filming a kid mountain biking than like, you know, singing a song or something. Totally. Like, you know, there's a lot, yeah, a lot of pressure, like, doing the shot once in case they're only mm -hmm. going to do it once or for, hurt themselves or something. Whereas like in my day-to-day -day life now, it's like take 14. It's like, that was perfect. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you hear that Clint Eastwood does like so, two takes? No. Yeah. Apparently he'll just like do one or yeah. two takes and be like, all right, we're good. And the actors are like, what? Like, he's like, no, nah, I got it. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Some people are just so confident. I've done some stuff where you set up a, a scene for three hours and then mm. one take. Yeah. Crazy. And then you're like, everyone's like, should we just do one more just for fun? And the director's like, no, we're good. <laughs> you're like, oh, man. man, that's not ballsy. I'd, I'd live for that confidence. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's scary because I think like even if you do like 20 takes in post, you're like, oh, man, we should just one one more with putting the thing there and having mm -hmm. it over here. Yeah. Why do we just do that? <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes like it's the first take or the last take are the ones. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. When you have someone else editing, usually they just don't even look at the first 19 takes. They just go straight for 20. And they just say, oh, well, I assume that was yeah, what yeah. made you happy. Because yeah. you or finally like stopped. three back. Like, you've hit, like, a almost perfection. And then you, like, try for a bit more. Yeah. And then you just never get there. And you're like, okay, let's move on. We can't get better. I, I feel like that's right. It's about two or three from the last one yeah. is usually what I feel like wins. So what is life like nowadays for you? You've come a long way from being a one-man band in the forest at the skate park filming buddies. Um, yeah, what is a kind of a typical week in your life look like? Yeah, so I do mostly commercials and I work. Oh, we got the, sorry, we got the leaf blower now um, interrupting. Now How much we can do about wait, it? Wait for a plane? Wait for a plane? <laughs> yeah, yeah full for it blower. Oh, you want to go give him 100 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what you do on set? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever given money to someone making Not noise? Not me personally, but they totally do. But oh, some really? people will go make noise. People that are savvy. Oh, oh yeah. In oh, like nice. neighborhoods that film a lot, they'll just start playing music so loud on their balconies, no knowing way. that they're going to get money for doing that. What? A real dink move. And you are not helping now the film community. <laughs> yeah. Wait, a I can whole make lot money? of people just got a little richer out there. <laughs> oh my god. That's Surprise, what this guy's doing. All right, he's uh he's toning it down. Uh sorry to cut you off. Uh where were we at? Oh, uh, just, my yeah, day that I did. Yeah, yeah. Just give the folks out there like some idea of what you do. Yeah, now. so sometimes I'll work one day, like actually be filming one day a week. Sometimes it's seven. Um it just all depends on the, the project or sometimes it's like you get unlucky or lucky timing with schedules where you're just like back to back to back. Like I just did nine days straight, three different jobs. And then now I have, have nine days off. Um, you just kind of flow with the thing, um, with the water. Like I, in the beginning you get really like scared with the uncertainty uh, that's why it took me so long to jump ship from film work, still related, 
to um, full-time freelance DP, I, it's just so scary because you never know when your next paycheck's coming. Um, but like when you get established, you can you feel more conf- confident and comfortable. Um, the money goes up because the, the industry understands that it's like ebb and flow. So you like you make really good money, but then you also like I don't work for nine days. Like so I'll have like a big chunk of like checks not coming in. So you, you kind of have to just balance your finances. Um, and then for let's say it's a one day commercial, there'd be a tech scout technical survey sometimes they call it where it's you the director's already gone they've chose that every the location's approved with like agency and client and everybody so now you go with all the lighting people and the grips and the art department and then you go do this tech survey so you'll go to the location see what specialty equipment you need what time of day like you use like apps on your phone see when the sun's coming like you just choose all the little the minutiae of it all and then normally this one day in between where the camera prep happens, our department picks up extra equipment and stuff that they didn't foresee um, in the, like, the pre-pro and stuff. And then the next day is the shoot. So like a one day shoot for me would eat up three full days, even though the, the middle day I'm not paid for, I'm like involved. Um, so that, that, so that's, a, that's a one day shoot. Two day shoot would be still a one day scout one day in between and then two shoot. But then there's something I'm going to do a GMC job in Toronto, but they have uh, next week and they have a week in between the scout and the shoot, which is like not normal, but everything just different changes and flow with it. And what is it that you actually find yourself doing most of the time? Cause I feel like it's very, it sounds like a very glamorous <laughs> job. People think of a director of photography or a cinematographer just with the camera all the time, but you always hear that filmmakers are otherwise known as glorified movers. Mm, it's one of my favorite lines. Like what, what is it that you actually do? Is it, is it true that you just end up moving things from point A to point B? So I've been doing this a long time and I still to this day cannot get over how much stuff you need, like to make a super small shot. You know, you can, sure you can do it with a camera and no lights, but if you wanted to make it look professional and like, natural even though it's not natural there's lights everywhere you just need so much equipment um so yeah that's why it's the glorified movers like art department has a big truck camera has a truck lighting has a truck grips have a truck and you just like infiltrate this house (laughs) and uh yeah so you move all the stuff you film and then i always call it like uh the circus like next thing you know gone not a site not a truck or a piece of garbage it's like magic so yeah glorified movers you move everything in that's cinematographers like uh you're getting to a point where you don't have to do as much physical work on the bigger ones because like there's like people that want to be doing that but um coming up and uh, even still like i do you still end up carrying lots of stuff and what's the highest level of being a a director of photography is it um, that you're not even really hands-on with the camera? Is that a, a camera operator is doing that mm. and you are just kind of sitting in your chair, you're next to the director and you're just kind of telling people physically what to do, how to light, where to put the camera? Yeah. What's what's the like, highest level of being a DOP? That's that. They'll sit in director's chair next to the director, um, monitors. Um, 
it's just some direct some dps don't like it like i think roger deakins is one of them that actually operates one of the cameras i feel like i'm going that route i've had a couple opportunities to not operate and just be there with the director i just feel out of the the process you know i, I don't feel there because um, like when you're right at the camera you can talk to the actor two feet away hey just a little bit left and you can kind of like uh finesse that shot when you're like back you, you have to you rely on the camera operator to be great mm -hmm. you know have more experience than you um yeah it yeah depends how much you want to let go yeah. yeah and do you have trouble letting go massively yeah yeah it, it's like uh an ever growing uh learning for me is just like not micromanaging getting better but uh i guess everyone in uh i think a cinematographer dp role is a perfectionist you know like you you that's why you're there because you want everything to be like perfect and, yeah yeah um, so it's yeah it's in your nature to make it nice you mentioned it was a scary jump to uh i guess be, go freelance mm -hmm. um was there a moment that you had to like a day they had to make that decision yeah so my when i worked on uh, supernatural my boss was so nice to me i worked there eight years the last two i transitioned out because he saw me like growing um so that at the that transition day was that i already he like let me slowly go and then eventually it was becoming a hassle for him so he gave me an ultimatum he's like either got to like stop your career <laughs> progress <laughs> yeah uh, or just uh um or quit so and he like, kind of made it easy for me because i had to like i should have done it two years earlier i just was too nervous what mm. did it like what is that look like are you shooting stuff on the side yeah, and, yeah. Like, every, building your dp skills every weekend sometimes nights between like i'd work 12 hour days on set and then i would go do like a night shoot and i'd go i'd go sleep in my truck outside the studio to go do my next day shift like i did that a lot <sighs> terrible did you have your dj gig at the time yeah yeah tell us more uh so i used to dj i had a group well, we had a group called Group Hug. We were trying to deter the like douchey club goers. I um, remember Group Hug. Yeah, yeah. Oh no way! Um, <laughs> Did so, you go and see dude Group Hug? It was like, was it a thing you saw, or was it more like you threw events? We threw events. Yeah. Uh, well, we all were like starter up DJs, and the only way we could play a club was that we threw the party. You know, so I, we, I, our first one was a place called the Royal Unicorn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Amazing mm -hmm. place. I definitely went to It's one where of Fortune those. Fortune Nightclub is. Okay. Okay. Now. Um, so, we, yeah, we couldn't, we wanted a DJ, so we just rented the club and we invited people, and that became our first like event. And we started doing our biggest event was 600 people. It was like crazy, like a club. Like, yeah, it was so fun, but. I was never fantastic at DJing. I really enjoyed it, um, but I wouldn't say I was the best. That's amazing. <laughs> I, want see, I want to see you up there again. That, that was a common uh, yeah, button. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want to see you up there spinning. What do they say? Spinning the, yeah. the vinyls? Yep, that's spinning it. the discs? <laughs> Is that what the cool DJs say? He spun CDs, though. Oh, okay, yeah. No, no, I was... 
Turntable. So who sorry, yeah. who else did that? Who did you do that with? Uh this guy named Troy Kelly and yes. Mike Circa. Okay. I knew that name. Yeah. And then we had a couple like guest things and we had a uh, um a few residencies we'd go we'd play every Saturday. It was really fun. Any uh, cameos from Hans von's beats? No, he was after us. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, I wish. I'm friends with Danny. But Hans von's beats. Oh, you mean Hans von's beats of, uh, of uh, how to be a DJ fam? Uh, maybe I have something I could play. <laughs> yeah. so, man, you, uh, you. I feel like you just live life to the max, man. You just, you yeah. just don't stop. It's, catch, always doing it's something catching cool. up to me, though. I, I have a one and a half year old kid and... I travel four to six months a year and it's getting harder. <laughs> I used to, uh, when I used to work on Supernatural, I used to work with, I was really young. I was like 22 to like probably 28. And I would work with people that were in their forties or like mm -hmm. late thirties. And they were, and I, I would go to the gym after work. And they're like, what are you doing? How do you do that? I'm like, it makes it easier. It's great. Da -da. And like, I'm in their shoes right now and I'm just like, oh, I can't even imagine doing one more thing. Just want to sit on the couch and watch the show. We were going to ask what your first big break was. I imagine that you had many different kind of mm. breaks that that opened up new doors. Yeah. One, I have, I have like a couple that come to mind. There's a guy named Mike Southworth that does music videos. Him and I have done 50 music videos probably. Wow. So my first one with him was kind of like a... A breaking point it turned out really cool we did a, a burning room and we did the whole thing in reverse and the artist dominic frico did he learned the song backwards so we he did a lip sync in reverse and um, it's called haunted by love i think it was a long time ago like 15 years ago um so that was like a nice tipping point meeting him we got on a roll of a bunch of music videos all vancouver artists um and then my next kind of, and then I just kind of was like, not wallowing, but you're just kind of like trying super hard to get more traction. But I, uh, so I did that for five years or so. And then I got an opportunity to do Oat Studios, which is Neil Blomkamp's project. So I, I worked on almost all the things that they've put out. Um, lots of travel. And I feel like that was a, a big stepping stone as well. And then, um, yeah, it's hard to really pinpoint because it's such a slow process. Like you don't, you're not like, I did a movie with Neil um, two summers ago and I was like, this is going to be my, I was like, I put a, I put pressure on the release of it. Not yeah. pressure. I, I put, I was hoping that this was going to be my turning point, but nothing, didn't, nothing changed. I guess like I got my new agent out of it because they saw the trailer and, um, what does the turning point look like? Like when you're envisioning that, like everything's going to change. Like what, what is it that you're, that you're seeking? Uh, seeking people outside of my connections, reaching out to me mm -hmm. okay. just randomly. Yeah. You know, I, all of it is word of mouth, you know, um, everyone I've know or have met through somebody and it's just a snowballing effect. I feel like that next tier is when you just get called randomly from la or new york or london and they're like yeah we want you for this thing and it's like a big thing that's the but i imagine that's happened to you throughout your life many 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 times yes but not often yeah. so my my people ask me what my five-year goal is and my five-year goal from now is to do more bigger jobs 
I do lots of jobs. I do three to five big jobs a year. I'd love to do 15 like super cool big jobs. What's a big job? Is that is that money? Is it time? Uh, it's a combination of having the fi- the resources to make. So it starts with a really cool creative and then people having the means to do it properly. You know? Yeah. I find that in all film, the smaller budget stuff that's um, like cooler creative has no money. And just the way it is, like, I don't know why, but this is, there's a few like unicorns out there that you see on Instagram, like a lot of stuff from Europe where they're like, yeah. you're like, how is that made? And like the budget is massive. You can just tell it screams like high end everything and the creative's cool. So that's what I want to try and get into. I'm not super hungry for movies. I've done four of them, smaller ones, but I wouldn't say no. I just, uh, I'm happy doing commercials. The movie's such a long mm-hmm. um, commitment. If the if the script's good, I'm into it. But I don't want to be like away from my family for three to six months, like just away away um, of something that I'm not like believing in. Yeah. But if I believe in it, I'm 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 all game for sure. What about um, directing yourself? Would you ever want to do that? Um, I feel capable. I'm definitely more of a collaborator than like a startup. Like I, I really like the name of the podcast, like feeding off each other. Cause I believe in that wholeheartedly. Like um, my favorite line to directors when I haven't worked with them was like this, we've just met for the first time. And I always tell people, uh, these directors, um, I'm like, I'm full of ideas. I'll just say them and you can shut them down. No hard feelings. Like I'm just going to spitball because I, I, I'm, I like feeding off each other. Well, that's what I like working with you. Um, some cinematographers I feel like are hyper focused on only the light and only the camera and they just I mean that's their job mm-hmm. but uh kind of forgetting to like involve themselves in anything to do with the actors or the mm-hmm. movement or the blocking yeah the that story, kind of thing story yeah and I mean I feel like you're like on our sets where you're always like my right hand man as you should be but helping me out where i'm having trouble with you know maybe the actors or the background or something like that and you have so much experience over i mean how many videos have you made now like i couldn't tell you <laughs> like three thousand five thousand yeah yeah if you made 50 commercial 50 music videos with one guy <laughs> yeah it's <a laughs> like lot. it must Jeez, be astronomical yeah. but yeah i mean you're coming your experience from all of those films is just uh so invaluable and i feel Mm -hmm. like it makes you very unique on set in that way but what i and i'm sure this is for everybody in film is i think the reason i like it is because it's always evolving and you're you there's so much room to grow like i feel like the people at the top of the game are also striving for more you know and i think that's why i've i i fell in love with film it's because it's it's always challenging you do you ever like you know, thinking back to those days of probably smaller productions, smaller sets, and now you're working on big stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you ever kind of lose some of the passion because you have less control over everything? Like there's more moving parts? Or you still find that same passion? Um, I find the passion. If, if the the writing's not very good, and you there's a saying, like, you can't put lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if it's not good, it's not, it's not in writing good. It's not going to be good. 
it's like no chance like it can look cool but it's still like as a viewer you're not like that was sweet um so that's where my passion kind of falls like some jobs i'll do for money and connections and meeting a new director um and if, if the writing is medium it's not their fault it's just there's so many steps along the way so my wife works in advertising that i've learned that the creative gets dumbed down for legal and all this stuff and like uh, i find that u.s markets and, and even more so european markets they are they're happy to push the boundaries and make it like edgy and whereas like north or canada for sure very tame and it takes my uh as you do more and more and more you kind of want to push your boundaries and their boundaries totally so you lose some of your passion so if you do have a bad script what do you think it gives you a chance of saving it can a really funny or good actor save something that's poorly written or is if you have a poorly written script is that just it's all downhill I think so. I, I haven't have haven't really seen something like <laughs> be bad on paper and then be good. Yeah, I've seen stuff be like okay, and I'm like, wow, that turned out fantastic. Mm. You know, like I, I think it's like if you were building a house and like the actual architecture and blueprint made no sense, you could have had have the best builders in the world, but mm. they're like, like exactly. You know, why are you putting a wall here? Like it doesn't make sense. Like it's built really well, but. Like, you know, the rooms are all six inches wide. Like, it makes no sense. Totally. It's yeah. Good analogy. Same. Is there one thing that makes a project enjoyable for you? Like, well, at least <laughs> at least the crafty is good. At least the script is good. <laughs> at least the actors were good. I mean, is there one thing that you kind of hope for, like, uh, job to job? My main take home and walk away that I, I strive for every time is collaboration um, with everybody on set, not just saying that, like I, I really do care for that lighting art, especially the director. That's like my main focus, but like such a team effort that, um, if as a team we're like, we did it and we tried our best and like, you just feel like you really did try your best. That's I, I walk away happy. Does that happen more often than not you think, or yeah like as i travel and do jobs with like completely new crews it's it's a bit harder because you don't have that shorthand mm -hmm. so i have a guy calvin wong who's like my right hand man uh focus puller so I, I try and bring him wherever i can um he has his u.s visa under mine so we can both go to work in the u.s um so yeah just having shout out calvin super yeah. genius yeah he's a the super genius guru um yeah just having a bit of consistency is very helpful totally is that something you kind of like learned as you went or did someone tell you that or like how are you figuring all this out just as you go it's the same thing as like just human nature you want to have your but your butt your buddy you know i did i was just in la last week and i was by myself and i was at the hotel and i went for dinner for one and i'm like they like walk me to the my table and no word of a lie there was like parties of six having like a it's like a movie party each table was like going off and then i'm in the dead center of the whole restaurant one table one chair <laughs> and i was like what the hell <laughs> I need my i need my buddy <laughs> <laughs> sounds so sad it was terrible the one spotlight above yeah, you. yeah the, the violinist playing a sad song should have facetimed us in yeah <laughs> he just sets up ipads FaceTime. <laughs> what, uh, what, 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 like, 
happens on set that kind of signals you like, oh boy, this is going to be a rough day? Like, is there something that just you you recognize it instantly? Like, yeah. Oh, no. So, uh, because my background was lighting and mm-hmm. just like technician technical stuff, like I, I did it my whole life, fifteen years, I did it every day. When I have a bad crew that aren't like efficient or talk the talk but don't walk the walk, yeah, it kills me because I know I could do that in a second or five minutes personally. Um, that's my like hurdle i'm going through right now mm. but, and then i don't know them well enough to like for mm-hmm. them to not feel like i'm stepping on their toes if i'm trying to help if i'm just like they're twiddling my thumbs like waiting for them to do it do their job so i can finish doing my job i want to help but i don't know them well enough to be like hey can i help hop in and, and then they'll be like thinking i'm what i'm actually thinking <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because like the grip team, the people who pretty much like bring in the stands and bring in all the bits and bobs to put the lights on or, you know, put raise the camera up, Mm -hmm. put the camera in a certain area. They it's kind of like all walks of life. You don't know who you're going to get. Totally. And all varying levels of experience. Mm -hmm. But it's an it's at the big at the base of it. It's an entry level job mm -hmm. in film. Um, So sometimes you could have someone like that or you could have like a veteran. Well, it's interesting that you didn't go to film school. I went to film school for like four months, and I feel like it's a very popular question for aspiring filmmakers. Do you go to film school? Do you think there's something that, like a disadvantage that you were faced with having not gone to film school? Yeah. The one thing that I I know that I'm lacking, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, is part of your schooling is learning movies and theory and Mm. history and pulling from all the what works, you know, like it's been done like this way for 50 years, the style of filming mm-hmm. um, here. This is on paper. This is what it is. This is how it works. Take it in, learn it. I've had, I'm like slowly learning it piece by piece, trial and error. I feel like that's my one thing. And then connections, like meeting a bunch of like colleagues. The problem with that is everyone is at the same level at the start. So like as soon as you graduate, you and your peers aren't going to really like catapult you. You're all going to kind of like come up together, which is cool, but you don't have that. Whereas I, I, I got paid to go to film school. Granted it was eight bucks an hour, um, but I was learning every day. Um, hands on. No film school. And, and what, what are you hands on with? I'm trying to imagine your days at uh, supernatural. <clears throat> you were a lamp op. Yeah. So let's rewind a few more years okay uh when i the transition where i didn't go to film school when i went to the rental house right i would just clean equipment lights would come in from a movie i would open them up i would clean them i would fold them put them on the shelves you graduate to like pulling packages then you start meeting the crews um that was my days is the light are these uh pieces of equipment just coming in trashed uh no just dusty like a lot of times studios like they're like up there for six months and it just like Mm. just gets dusty Um, like we had a shoot last year where we lost a piece of equipment and it was like 200 bucks and i was like crying for three days and i was thinking what a big movie man they must just put it into the budget like 20 grand we're gonna lose and yeah it's called l and d loss and damages right and I thought you meant <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen D. 
Yeah, I don't know. Any any like nightmare like cases of just destroyed gear that's came through in your time? Um, no, I, I wasn't uh, attached on that level there. I'm sure there was that I like didn't really like notice. I don't but know personally. Uh, since I own a bunch of gear, you have like I've had a cable cam drop from the sky, broken lens. There's like there's certain things I've had a camera full red camera build fall in the ocean. <sighs> Gone Jesus forever? Christ. Gone forever? Gone forever, 40 grand. And I'll tell you this, you never think something would sink so fast. You think like everything <laughs> would kind of like wave down. Yeah. But it was like nope, gone like did, one second it was gone, gone. Did anybody jump in trying to save it? No, it was we were deep. It was like 300 feet or something. Oh my goodness. Jeez. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't know if it was you, but the reason I asked about uh, like major losses at the gear rental house was I remember someone telling me a story of people um, having a fake credit card, renting a bunch of gear, and then just completely disappearing. Not stealing. me, but no. it sounds, sounds feasible. Yeah, yeah. That was Kyron Botman that did that? Oh, yeah, right. Our homie. Our <laughs> Next homie. guest. Totally different guy. <laughs> I don't know. Some sort of credit card fraud where they just wow. rented a camera and then disappeared. And uh, yeah, that'd probably be pretty tragic. I guess that's just an insurance claim, though. But yeah, very sad. Crazy. Very sad. You should watch the movie Emily the Criminal with Aubrey Plaza. That's basically the plot of it. Ooh, I'm in. They use fake credit cards to scam companies. Mm. Rental houses? No, they like they like <laughs> escalate from buying TVs to then cars and stuff. It's pretty intense. Mm. <laughs> We've probably seen it, but we don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You guys probably saw it like five times. <laughs> I haven't even seen that. <laughs> I watched it on the plane. Nice. That's where I do most of my movies, actually. It's also probably why I don't remember them that well because they're kind of like I have that same small. You're in like, like a dreamlike state totally, in the sky yeah. as well. Yeah. Also, you're more emotional when flying. Oh, I well, I've cried more a lot of times on movies. Yeah, you're physiologically but, more prone to cry. Uh, my friend made me watch A Dog's Purpose. Oof. Oh, on the plane. I, I've oh. never seen that, but I'm assuming I was like, you've never seen that. I was crying so much, like ugly crying next to like some random people. <laughs> I've seen Marley and me, which is enough. Yeah, totally. Oh, man, I, I watched uh, the first episode, first season of Game of Thrones on a plane once. There's a lot of incestual nudity in that show. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you cried. <laughs> no, no, I was more just like putting the blinders yeah. up on the screen. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's totally. a show I was told yeah. to watch. How did you hide your boner, though? Uh, I didn't. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So I'm not allowed on American. Yeah, we, Brooke and I watched uh, True Romance on the ferry, and there was a sex scene. It got real awkward, but I'm like, ah, nobody cares. Yeah, but, but then still. you started acting it out <laughs> in public. Also, like in the line for white spot is not a good place. <laughs> oh, there's definitely a white spot eventually. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, place the transition music, please. <laughs> oh, wait. Um, Do you got a transition? Yeah. I just get a sense of relief after the transition. <laughs> I, I know we can move a reset, on. A reset, a reset. Um, I wanted to pick your brain on behalf of young aspiring DPs. I mean, everything you do looks amazing. You just have this like, oh, oh that's a bad, that's a bad one. I think the, uh, he, the leaf blower must be aspiring leaf blower, aspiring <laughs> DP. He wanted to come in closer, learn a little bit more. No, no, no. He's, he's listening right out to there. it live and he, he's like, oh, I can make a hundred bucks if I go screw it. These yeah, podcasts. I think so. He's getting closer and closer. Oh, he's walking away. Oh, he's right inside the house now. Perfect. It feels like he's right here. He's actually pretty far away. 
No, no, he's coming well, back. We have four microphones picking it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can, I can, I can bring some of them down. No, no, no. This is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> we did it's do raw. a car podcast where there was just a consistent road noise. Yeah, that was the last one. Yeah, and not this road. Like the no, actual. <laughs> that was a AD, not a DE. Yeah, exactly. This is unacceptable. Cut, 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 cut. I half expected it to be gone after he played that. <laughs> yeah, like it, he just knows. He knows. He's making his way. Damn. Oh. All right, he's far enough. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Young DPs. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask on behalf of young aspiring dps your stuff looks great it's almost i was trying to articulate like the commercial lighting look uh that you achieve it's hard to like really put into words but what are some of the most simple ways that you can improve your lighting on set with with like no money uh the cheapest way to make stuff look good is take away light so say you have a a window and you're in a living room and you don't really have the ability to like push light through. All you do is you put negative, you call it, which is like black fabric on the non-window side, open up your camera more than you would. And it, it uses what's coming in the window as a source and your dark side uh, where the negative you placed is, um, will become to taste. You can make it not so dark or like just by literally with your exposure, um, Iris, fantastic answer you really misled me there yeah removing light oh. very tricky yeah yeah is there how, like is there any other tricks you learned along the way like building diy stuff or like stabilization or things like that that kind of like helped you progress your game or were you kind of just in the rental house using that gear on the side like how did you build your skill set well i think i'm very lucky with technology my timing of getting into it i i I just was ahead of or after the film thing. So the digital was readily available, like 70s and stuff. I, I started way before that. But like when I kind of started actually doing it, it, stuff was affordable and accessible. And then gimbals became accessible. Like those were like stepping stones to elevate your your product and my product. And now they've, since I was at the forefront of learning them when they first came out, let's say a gimbal for example i'm very proficient at it on set minus i'm getting shorter because it's compressing my spine <laughs> not even joking fuck my life <laughs> yeah um yeah. but yeah those things have um elevated and i actually unlike quite a few dps i own a lot of gear and the reason i own gear and it's a slow process, and I've all I've bought it all myself. I have a business partner for um, it now, but you um, it's allowed me to make my stuff look more expensive than the budget allowed. So, like, I would get a big job, and I would buy a light or a, a new lens, or and it's grown to a point where I can like do a full commercial with all my equipment. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of people using like film budgets for their own gain like hey uh we'll shoot this next one on red 
So we need the budget for that. They don't own the red yet. They need mm. that budget to own the red. Yeah. And then they go buy it and then they shoot yeah. it on so the red. So you, you land up like, instead of it costing you 40 grand, it's costing you 20 or something. So you're taking a loss, but you're gaining, like that's it's exactly how we did it. It's just kind of like what? Piecemailing Piece slowly. Oh, okay. Like whenever you have a, a bigger job, you buy that equipment that's needed. And what do you think are some of the first things that you should invest in? Because I think as like a starting DP, you're so overwhelmed with everything. You're like, well, I guess I need a better camera. Oh, well, maybe it's actually the lenses. Oh, well, a tripod maybe seems pretty important. No, screw the tripod. I'll wait 10 years for a better tripod. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. And then realizing I should have bought the tripod a long time ago and yeah. probably not got like the lenses. What do, what do you think uh, really like would improve you? Improve so your, your, your work, I guess. Yeah. Honestly, I think like all cameras are so good now. Like mm -hmm. you can buy, use like anything that's SLR, anything's going to be good. So the cameras, like whatever lenses, if they're like more open, like a s smaller number, softer background, um, that's going to make your stuff look like fancier. It's not always the right move, but it looks like higher end, shallower focus. So like... You can, and you can buy cheap fish, um, fast lenses. Um, and then see, I also was in the tripod game. You definitely, maybe like now, uh, a modern day answer would be a gimbal, some sort of gimbal. So then you could be like floating around like steady cam style shot. And then maybe like. And you can also use it as a tripod. Yeah. If you place it on a table at the right mm -hmm. height. <laughs> um, and then maybe. Uh, a couple lights like um a tube one of the like two foot or four foot tube that can do colors or like effects like lightning or like any sort of like effect like that's gonna make your stuff look fancy and cool and um maybe a couple like here's the thing that we need uh in the beginning you don't think about these big fabrics because mm. um they seem like they need a frame and like equipment. But if you just buy the fabric, uh, eight by eight negative, like solid and an eight by eight diffusion, you can just clip them, tape them. Um, and then you got these massive big sources, but it's all about a large soft source or taking away the light is the key. So just those pieces of fabric, they roll up into a bag the size of, I don't know, small little grocery bag. And you have this amazing lighting tool so i think that's the cheapest most uh gonna elevate your work the most like a couple of fabrics and a gimbal and a couple of little lights what was your first camera um my first like kind of pro-ish camera was a gl2 those mini dv tapes oh, gl2 is that panasonic it's uh that was before panasonic so it was canon okay uh three ccds of quality yeah i had a three ccd as well it's pretty nice. Uh, I had one before this, but it was my family's camera. Like this is the first one I bought. I can't remember how much it was. Three thousand bucks or something. Holy crap! Yeah, and then to ingest the footage, you had to like uh, capture in and out every shot. You couldn't just like dump car. It wasn't like cards. It was tape. Mm -hmm. You had to like in in point play, watch it, output, and then capture, and then wait. The dad cam. Yeah, it literally is <laughs> the dad camp vibe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've been asked a million zillion times, "What camera should I buy?" And like, I used to answer all of those like 
just try my best. And then eventually I got to a point where like, I had no idea what cameras were even on the market. Totally. And I would just mm-hmm. say, like, I don't know, get a DSLR or something. I mean, if you had to s- suggest something to the Oof. people out there who, who know they want a camera, like, what kind of guidance can you offer? See, I'm, I'm kind of like not the best person to ask because I'm in the cinema market now, but I think Sony has uh, an Alpha Series camera that's like prosumer leaning pro but it's an slr form factor i'm not sure the price but i i think the the best thing you can do is buy what's in your means because everything's good you can literally go around shoot on your iphone Mm -hmm. and um, it's going to be if this like i said the story's good it's going to be good so it's not about the gear um so buy what you can afford or borrow (laughs) borrow what you can borrow what about having to make big purchases that are really tough? Mm. Um, you know, like we were just speaking on tripods and now you have a tripod that I'm sure is worth like 20 grand mm-hmm. or something, but it's super crucial. And it's one of those things that like, it's a hard pill to swallow. But once you get it, you're like, I'm glad I made the purchase. What kind of helps you justify those hard purchases? Oh, it's so tough. Uh, every person's, Situation's different, but my first investment that I ever did was I took 30 grand line of credit and I bought like full on debt. No, I didn't have the money. So I had 30 grand line of credit and I bought like a cheaper tripod, um, some lenses, a monitor. And I think that was it. Like very small amount of stuff, but it cost 30 grand. Um, And I was so nervous at the time uh, because that's a huge amount of money to me at the time. And um, in the end, it just sorts itself out. And then next thing you know, you um, you buy another round of that, that same line of credit. Um, as long as you're driven and want to make it your career, the like financial part will sort itself out. But you might, you might have to like eat out of a can for couple of months sleeping your truck <laughs> yeah dj well, it feels like a chicken and egg thing too because i think mm-hmm. some people would go out and buy the gear hoping almost that motivates them whereas you're you're already doing it so you knew what that would fulfill for you you know like some people just go and buy like skis and they're like i'm gonna be a skier and then it sits in their closet like mm-hmm. that would probably be the the wrong approach like build up to that mm-hmm. but at the time when you're when those decisions are harder oh, yeah you're you're not at the place yet to like feel comfortable it's like totally it's a, it's a double-edged sword for me there's been so many small purchases that i would avoid like extra batteries or an extra charger or an extra memory card that i'm like ah i don't want to spend the 800 bucks on one memory card i don't i don't need to spend 1200 bucks on three new batteries and then you're on set and you're like why didn't i just buy it we're screwed right now we have no yeah. more batteries everybody's inconvenienced I think like that's the thing that now in this stage of my career, I'm motivated. I'm like, this is going to make everybody's life better. It's going to equal a better project. And just to have no stress on set, like we have more than enough memory. We have more than enough yeah. juice. That's how I, I can yeah. kind of click by a little bit easier. It's the time is money but, thing as well. Right. Totally. But if you just don't have the money, it's like, it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Like it never ends. As yes. soon as you start climbing yes. and camera levels and then the accessories are more, it's like, it never ends. And sometimes it feels like, you know, just buying gear will solve problems, mm. but it doesn't really. It feels sometimes more. like, it feels like <laughs> productive sometimes. Like, oh, I bought this. Like, I'm moving up. 
it's like I didn't really accomplish anything. I just spent money. Mm-hmm. Didn't really need that thing. So you you have you've collected like so much gear now. Um, is is there now something on your bucket list that you still have yet to play with on a set? Um, it's kind of embarrassing actually, but I'll I'll tell the audience. <laughs> uh, I've played with everything I think. Uh, or most things um the only thing i haven't played with and it's so weird that i haven't is a techno crane i've played with like with what, you guys what uh, is a techno crane uh it's like a fixed base thing and it's a crane that's like telescoping telescoping um so you can like press a button and it like shoots out so you can do like a dolly style shot and not see the track or you could like shoot out past uh off a parkade and like you could start on the parkade these are like the shots where you see in a movie, like starts like above a roof and then it moves down to the driveway to the car and then turns around and now we're like going down the uh, street or something. That would be um, like a crane with a steady cam op on it. Okay. And then they physically hop off. This is just like, it's like a remote head on the thing and you can just do anything. You can use it as a normal crane. You could do it as a, through a window, you know. How much does this piece of gear cost? To, you would never buy it. Uh, it'd be a rental thing. I'm not actually sure. Not that crazy, four grand for the day. <clears throat> Not sure, to be honest. Oh. And why but, is it embarrassing? Well, it just because I've, it's like a such commonplace for my role to have used them or to um, have a project big enough to use them. Um, I've done everything. I've done with you, we did the Kira arm for multiple days. Yeah. Like, that's way more fancy than a Technocrane. Yeah, way more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, it's just like a thing that's on my, I guess, bucket list. Yeah, yeah. It's like not, yeah. Any, anything Very else? Niche. Anything else that you're dreaming to, like, have on set? That's it. Techno crane. Techno crane. All right, guys. My, my well. birthday's in a, a month. Okay, well, <laughs> I can rent it for one day. We'll we're starting a in. Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so, sometimes when we're conceptualizing a film or a commercial or whatever it might be you know we never know where it's going to start with start with a joke start with an idea start with a song sometimes it starts with a mm-hmm. what's a movement we have never done before mm-hmm. a new camera movement so that's kind of why i was just curious like is there i mean i'm sure now you've, you've where haven't you placed the camera at this point yeah i do really enjoy car rigs mm-hmm. um because they're just they take a lot of time though which is a bit of a bummer for the production so you're like you get limited to like how many you can do or if it's time if possible within the time frame. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to ask too specifically cause you're trying to save those ideas. I'm guessing, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I mean, it's not really your job to decide where to place the camera though. Like on paper, what is the DOP's job? Uh, like the lighting and like visual look, but it's all with everybody, the production designer yeah. and the director. Yeah. It's, ultimately on set it's like to run the camera grip and lighting team to get that look that the director and yourself want so we know that collaboration is your favorite part of the job what's your least favorite part of the job is there any part that you kind of end up dreading um i guess it's just i dread the parts that when you get to a point uh okay here's an example you light something and you're very happy with it. Director's happy with it. Agencies, like, they pipe up on the radio. They're like, it's not, um, they send have some note. It's not too dark. It's not bright enough. It uh, doesn't match or something. And then you're like, okay. And you're like, okay, let me check my work. You're like, 
compare it with the other other angle and you're like, oh, it looks great. I'm like so happy with it. And then you they, you end up having to go talk to them in their tent and like explain like they talk in eye lines and stuff and you're like 100% convinced or yeah, a million percent convinced you're right on the eye lines. Let's say that's an easy one. Sure. And then they're like, nope, nope, you're not. I'm like, okay, well, you're paying me a lot of money to be here. So I guess you can do it. Um, so you don't say that to them. Yeah. And then from that moment on, you just like check out creatively. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I was fully there for you. And it's like, not that I'm always right because everyone's wrong sometimes. And you, yeah, you just kind of check out. So I guess the, to my favorite is collaboration. My, my least favorite is like um, no collaboration. So when, as soon as there's no collaboration, uh, I'm out. Yeah, I would still, say I'm still there to do the job and I'll do it and I'll do my best, but I'm like, I'm not in love, you know. You're definitely not alone. I mean, this is a complaint I've heard with countless oh, people it's in every, film. It's, yeah, yeah. People don't like it when the client, <laughs> they have a hard time when the client is on set. But and, and, and we don't really have this yeah. we, every once in a while, but we're fortunate in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not a, it's like not that it's an evil, but it's like a necessary evil. Yeah, yeah. Not even, it's not an evil. It's just they're paying the bill. Mm-hmm. They are right. Yeah, you know, it's like customer <laughs> service. Like yeah. they are and they aren't. Yeah, it's like I've, uh, seen, go ahead. I've seen some really aggressive directors from LA come up here and just be like, "No, that's stupid." Like, "No, we're not shooting that." I'm like, "Oh," <laughs> like to the client. Yeah, and right to their face. I'm like, "Wow," I love that. So Canadian. Oh, gosh. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> we raise your voice. <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I, man, it would be. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there would have uh, great pleasure in telling uh, a agent or a client to F off. But uh, yeah, it's the mouth that or the hand that feeds you. So it's totally yeah. it's a tough game. But a lot of them have uh, agency and clients have awesome feedback. Mm-hmm. Like so. So. Th- so often I'm like, that's a great note, you know, like, you know, collaboration, like they're everyone there to uplift it. So what, besides the client, what about a director? How do, uh, what does a director have to do to get under your skin or not vibe with you or not feel like they're collaborating? I've been very fortunate. Wood here. <laughs> not on any surface you wish. Yeah. Um, I've been very lucky. I haven't had like a, a day where I'm just like, oh, I can't wait this to be over because of the director. Oh, okay. It's like, couple times with you but <laughs> <laughs> a couple times uh not yeah i'm pretty um low stress and like i don't like conflict so i try and avoid it right Just in general is my like rule what's then what's the mark of like a good director where they went above and beyond and you're like whoa this guy mm. or girl kills it <clears throat> um <laughs> kind of to our uh, one take and we're done Similar to that, just like knowing exactly what you want mm-hmm. and um, just being so confident, collaborative, and also um, problem solving. Like I just did a job um, with this awesome director, Adam, and um, we had this like major problem with uh, some art department stuff. And we had to like, at the moment, we're like hours over time and like production stressing on us and like, you just like, things outside the box and like creates the solution out of like what we have on our table. You know, like the problem solving is people's experience really shows when there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Like whenever I have a, 
a couple times recently, I'm like, man, I earned my money today. <laughs> you know, like something major happened or like, um, prime example, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we on storyboards on the, um, script, it's nighttime living room. Okay. We light, we tent the house, we light it. It's all awesome. Everyone's happy. And then, um, client or agency, we're like, uh, it needs to be daytime. We, we change our minds and you're just like, whoa. And it's like, our schedule was allotted for that. And we've now we're into borrowed time. And then you're just like, okay, press the button, bunch of stuff changes. Uh, and now it's daytime. And it's like, you can do that in like 10 minutes. And you're like, okay, experience um, is where you're like, you can showcase your like problem solving. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's your ability. It's your ability to adapt. Right. Yeah. And like, I've noticed that on our productions, just being able to be like, well, we had this vision, but circumstances have changed mm -hmm. and just not being so precious to, mm -hmm. you know, the, the specifics that don't actually matter to the story and being able to like pivot and be like, well, what if he was doing this? What mm -hmm. if it was night? What if whatever? And that's another thing that I uh, tell people and tell my told myself when I was coming up is always say yes to like the random silly things, interviews, uh, interviews, especially like they're not a sexy thing to shoot, you know, but there's so much learning to be had um, for each one lighting just uh set deck like quick thinking on your feet um so like always do the stuff that's not necessarily like what you want to go do forever like a podcast <laughs> <laughs> no in filming <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> just thinking um, about you showing up here today <laughs> do the thing you don't always want to do but yeah so just I, I think just always say yes i still i'd say i'm 95% of the time saying yes still really like, I kind of want to make it like 60% uh to stuff I want or not. yeah yeah, yeah. that's interesting because yeah I think there is like that transition where you start saying no and it's like a bit empowering and kind of that is almost like a you made it moment when you're turning work down right mm -hmm. so you still you're the only time I turn work down is if I'm double booked like if I have a conflict and like I'd rather go do this one is right. kind of where I'm at right now. But do you have, like, do you, I guess this goes into another conversation of, like, what's your process when someone approaches you with a job? Are you like, okay, what's the script? Like, what what boxes are you ticking off mentally to go into that job stoked? Um, the script and then the director's, like, work. If, I, if it's a good um, connection to, to foster. And then I don't normally find out the budget, but you get a, you get a taste of it just in like the way they talk, you know, like how many um, like personnel do you get? You know, like it's like they call it key plus one, which is like the gaffer plus how many they are going to get. So if they're like, we were budget key plus three, it's like, you're like, that's a decent commercial. But if it's like key plus one, you're like, Aye. something's going on here where they're like still trying to do the key plus three job, but they're trying to make it cheaper. I wanted to dive in a little bit into your feature film uh, life a couple of years ago with Neil Blomkamp. Um, yeah, you said you're not really like too interested in, in the feature world right now. I imagine it takes a crazy amount of work. You also kind of had to, in a way, like overhaul like how you uh, organize all your gear. Like I saw you made all sorts of new like organization for all your bits and pieces of gear. Like you, cause you had to be ready to go every single day for, I imagine a couple months, like what kind of preparation did it take to work for work on uh, demonic feature film with Neil? 
Mm-hmm. So like any movie, no matter the size, you you like prep it and you shot list it with the director. And um, I've never been taught how to do this. So I'm just like self-taught. Um, but I like will per scene write down like on a spreadsheet, like what gear, specialty gear is needed once you know the location. So you just like really break down every sh- every shot or every like location and know kind of what you need. So you, it's all about like delegating to like the crew is it kind of your role. And um, so that's one side of the things. And then uh, other side of things for all movies and with Neil is Neil knows exactly what he wants and he said this is the style that we're trying to mimic. Um, but some people are a bit more vague and you have to like submit or like try and help um, get stuff from shot deck and like get some inspiration. It's just, just uh, I'm answering your question correctly or uh, concisely. It's like just prep and trying to be on the same level as the director because some directors write it. And like Neil's case, he's the writer. So it's so hard to be on his level. Um, you, like, you know, it's in his mind um, so I, I can read it 10 times, but I'm never at his level, um, in like understanding the nuances of the story and the characters. And so you just, I'm just trying to get to that level as best I can within the time. Do you enjoy diving into like a project that's gonna, like you can just absorb yourself into a multi-day project or you like doing the kind of like quick and dirty, you know, like regardless of budget and mm-hmm. the crew, like imagining that these jobs are all the dream job. Do you, do you like diving into something that takes longer getting in and out? I prefer getting in and out, but the longer one gives you a sense, like a, a sense of like accomplishment mm. or um, like you're, do, you're is it your pur- you have purpose. Like it's, it's going to be um, entertaining to somebody and like help them in a way because either it's laughter or you feel like you're doing something for the world not as like high and mighty as that but you're doing something more so than a commercial commercial is like literally just like visual stuff that's selling a product which is like not necessary for the world whereas like a movie's got a bit more it's got a lot more like legs and can help somebody so it's almost like a process versus outcome thing for you Mm -hmm. totally i just love the short and sweet yeah yeah I'm also have like a little PTSD from doing eight years on Supernatural, um, 10 months a year, five, six days a week. Just like you just, uh, film industry is really aggressive on your like life. Uh, when you're doing long show calls like that, like I remember I, I lived in the same apartment for 12 years. My wife worked, lived with me for a long time of that. And like one day we we're walking on a Saturday. I like, it's probably like, eight years into uh, us living there and uh, we're walking by this like thing a block from my house and I'm like wow when has this been here and my wife's like it's been here for like five years <laughs> you just are like a zombie to life just like so tired so I'm, I'm a little bit like scared of the commitment is the truth the commitment to uh, to work long no long, like long, long stretch wow, okay because it's like it's like a combat compounding tiredness yeah and i'm not scared of hard work and it just is the thing you're definitely not <laughs> um also on that particular movie you had a pretty cool camera setup um i don't even know what to call it <laughs> where it was like 360 degrees around yeah 
So I, I personally wasn't very involved in that. It's okay. called volume capture. Okay. Um, I believe at the time it was a world record. I think it was like 200 and uh, my number's off, I think, but 240 or something like that. And what it is is you can capture the scene. The acting is the same. The movements are the same. The clothing's the same. But what you can change after is the camera position and the lighting. So you can create these like... You can do camera moves anywhere you want, except for underneath. It's like from ground level and up. Um, Sorry, and, and for myself and the other idiots out there, is that multiple cameras in a circle? Yeah, and like, you know, like those kids, like half circle domes. Yeah. Uh, but a large version of that with like tons of cameras, like these little Sony, like little cameras. Mm. And it just captures like, just creates a 3D scan of that situation, but in video crazy i didn't really, realize that you weren't very involved yeah that was a whole other, another camera crew came in yeah it was like the person who owns that um oh like i helped do the lighting design to give them like lots of light and in the end atlanta we tried to do it on the cheap and we had to like i think we did three levels of upping the intensity of light because we like tried to do it cheap and then we were like it just didn't work for this guy's technology and then we had to go up and then it was still just not enough to go up again it's crazy so what does that mean when you're going up? Is it just adding another light or is it like turning up a dial or? Adding more lights. Adding yeah. more lights. Yeah. And you, these are all lights that you had available? Uh, no, it's a rent and rent like, oh my like separate. Oh, wow. It was like a whole other unit uh, after the movie was done. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, hopefully one day we can shoot a movie together and hopefully you like doing movies by that time. And uh, <laughs> hopefully you're not scared of the commitment. But uh, yeah, you'll be first in line. So <laughs> we've made, made short, what do you call it? Short films, how to, how to buy a mountain bike. Yeah. I think we just have to copy and paste that like eight times. And then that's a feature length. Yeah. Basically. Pretty much. Yeah. You remember working on that project? Totally. Like, you have yeah. like font. Cause I feel like that was probably when IFHT was like in the middle of like getting higher production, bigger crews and, and still, but also like shooting a lot of stuff ourselves, acting mm -hmm. ourselves and like, yeah, I guess that was where that, that was the project we first met. I, I sent you an email. I don't even know. I, yeah. And I think I, I responded. I said, I don't know why you need my help. Your <laughs> stuff looks great. You said you're a big fan, and I squealed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Purple drapes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, he's actually seen our stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's probably lying, though. It's so funny. Like, I literally still to this day, like, <clears> just like go deep diving on your guys' stuff. It's so good. My favorite one's one of my favorite is Millennium Homebuyer. Millennial Homebuyer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A classic. Very so good. good. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, do you? I guess you said yes to it because you say yes to everything. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's <laughs> awesome. that time. Yeah, it's that awesome. time. Like, I, what were you? What was it like from your point of view coming to work with us and like shooting this mountain bike thing? And yeah. no, it's great. It's great. The thing is, it all stems from the creative. You know. That's why 100% of the time IFHT stuff is the creative's really good. You know, it's interesting. It's pushing the boundaries. Things you can't always push the boundaries on the bigger stuff. Like um, you guys find a way to stretch the money because so you can. You're used to. You've come from the world of doing it yourselves, so you like can do it leaner, and not in a bad way. It's just a. It's a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we we have the same kind of thing where we try to make it look more expensive than it really is. Mm -hmm. And having come from slightly 
different level of owning our own gear. I think we share that same kind of same kind of goal with just mm-hmm. making it look the best you can with whatever you have available. Um, yeah, but to touch on your point of why do you need me? Like it's already looking great. Like I think about that a lot actually, because <clears throat> working with you, I mean, we went down a path of our videos just looking so much better than they ever have in terms of light. And then you also, I think a very important element that you brought to, to our productions is just having a bigger network and introducing us to different people. Um, but when it comes down to just the camera and light, I mean, yeah, I think like you, like we often, when we have a script for a new project, you like one of the first decisions we'll make with cameras, what, what lenses like is it going to be spherical lenses is it going to be anamorphic what kind of aspect ratio and i feel like you have often pushed us to not go super cinematic you've said like ah, i think like comedy it just kind of needs 16.9 just spherical lens just kind of plain but when we do push it cinematically and we uh you know go with the crazy anamorphic lenses or whatnot I mean, you see it in the feedback. People are like, this is next level. This mm. is unbelievable. And maybe people don't even necessarily know why it looks that way. But they just get a sense of like, this is crazy. This is next level. So, you know, I go back and forth with with like looking back at the videos that we did that are just us. It's just kind of like us just passing the camera around, making it no <laughs> real knowledge of light other than just whatever we think looks good. Thinking that's the way to go, but then also being with you, having you fully focused on the light and the camera and having a team to do everything. And like you gain so much because you just have the help. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a question here. It's just expressing my kind of back and forthness with uh, <laughs> like how much production do you put into a comedy piece? I, I feel like too, like definitely Byron comes in, elevates the camera game, but it also allows us to focus on other areas like the actors or the set Mm -hmm. deck and all these other pieces of that puzzle that if you're still shooting the video, Matt, and you know, I'm the one acting or Dave's the one acting it. Well then who's looking at the set deck and like who's paying attention to all these little other nuances that overall help make the whole thing better. You Mm -hmm. can just, you're just certain that side's covered kind of, you have trust and yeah, yeah. Tons of trust for sure. Yeah. I I don't know. Like uh, looking at some old videos, I, that it was just us that we shot. I look at it. And I'm like, yeah, it looks, it looks pretty good. Like millennial home buyer. Mm. I actually just watched that a couple of years ago. I think or a couple of days ago. <laughs> sorry. A couple of years ago. I was like, damn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was, I, I was looking at each shot kind of thinking, what does, what would Byron think of these shots? The lighting master. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it looks, it looks decent. Like the, like the framing's all nice and stuff, but oh, the lighting is like kind of flat there. There's not really a shadow. There's, Oh, there's a weird shadow on her neck there. Like it's, yeah, at the end of the day, like I feel like 90% of the people are just watching it and they think it's, you know, they think it's funny or whatever. They're reacting to the story. But there's this like subconscious thing where people just feel like, wow, this looks like a movie. This feels next Mm -hmm. level. This feels expensive. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I want to touch on that. Like, why did you say you don't need us? Like, or you don't need me? Like, what can I offer? Where does that come from? It comes from the video as a whole being awesome, you know, like as just a whole, it looks good. Everything's good. Like the, the story's good and the acting's good and the holistically is good, is great to watch as a viewer. 
doesn't it cut yourself short though? Because I mean, the truth is that <laughs> the truth is that from working with you, it has been a slippery slope of like, things are only going to get more expensive. <laughs> we got to pay for more expensive cameras. We got to pay for more lights. We got, there's more gear. The lights need more support, yada, yada, yada. And looking back to the cheaper videos where it's like, yeah, it was good enough. But still, there's like, it's that feeling of wanting to one up yourself mm -hmm. and do better. Like, I don't know. I just, it makes me wonder, like, were, was, was that a right path to take? Like, to, to, to go, like, learn about the full production side, or should we have just kept doing it? Like, kind of, kind of, kind of crappy our own way. Like, we you know, one, one man. Well, there's everything. Certain, certain projects that just can't, ha that can't handle it. Or, couldn't have been done like take for example night of the spark very high production you know rain towers and lights outside it's like big and then um project one also very big you just you physically couldn't have done yourselves uh yeah you know back in the day mm -hmm. yeah i don't know I, yeah. I think you cut yourself short by saying uh what what can i what, what do i bring to this because it's just in, in the end we're both just fans of each other <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> I don't know. It, I, it's just like, like sometimes people are amazing at making like TikToks with their phone mm -hmm. and you wouldn't add that much based on the thing that they made on their phone by making it higher production. Mm -hmm. Like it lives really well in that medium or in mm -hmm. that production level. But then if you want to do something different, then you, mm -hmm. you've got to elevate. So I think I know what you mean. You're just like the version of the thing you're making is great. We can elevate and do something different. But he liked the version you made before too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wish you had like we could have like a time machine or like crystal ball, and you could make two versions of the same thing, one that's shot on an iPhone, and see how did it do. So I think about this every shoot okay. about because uh, I'm you never get to work with another DP, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes you go into a white room and you need to make it look cozy in nighttime. It's a very hard thing to do, and I'm like, and you leave the set and you're like, oh, I just don't know if I really crushed it today. I don't know how I, I just don't know how I could do it better. I wish I could just see for a second somebody, some other DP, same crew, same everything, and just like see what they produced. Never can see that ever. But, right. Um, I think about that with editing. Like that's the thing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like you give everyone the exact same chunk of footage for sure. Say make the thing. Yeah. I think that's like like writing. Even if you have the totally. script, different writing, and I don't know. I think uh, nine times out of ten, you did really well that day. It's just. For whatever reason, it's hard to reassure mm -hmm. yourself of that thing. Mm -hmm. It's hard, yeah, it's hard to get hung up on the thing that you could have done differently, not even necessarily better, just differently. So many what ifs. Well, my favorite thing I always I keep saying is, no one knows what you didn't do. Mm -hmm. They only know what that final thing was. So you get caught up on the thing you wanted to do, uh. but like the audience has no idea. They just unless you're like adapting a famous book or something, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that sounds like so much pressure. But yeah. yeah. It's that always helps me. Mm. Like good. when we have to cut things out of things we shoot <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Or oh, you guys want to take this? Whoa, whoa, wait. <laughs> How long have we been going for? A long a while. A long time. A while? Buck 30. Buck 30. Holy smokes. Wow. And it's felt like five minutes. Great conversation. Should yeah, we, I mean, I, should we move on to the game? Yeah, you want to play uh, a game or this or that? Okay, I don't know. Yes, we will ask you, yeah. um, uh, you to choose between two things from a list of 30. Wow. Um, you can't say both. You can't say neither. 
You have to, you have to answer. This you have to be a good sport that. and you have to answer. Yeah. And it's like real stuff. Real deal life stuff. Truth or dare. This is this is serious. This is on the internet forever. Mm-hmm. Your opinions are immortalized. Everybody's judging you. The clients are listening. Set deck is in the comment section. Are you going to play the music? Yeah, I was just waiting for you to play the rambling. music. <laughs> Film or digital? Film. Wide lenses or long lenses? Wide. Music videos or commercials? Music videos. Commercials or feature? Commercial. Film or TV? Film. Early morning shoots or late night shoots? Morning. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Tea. Too hot, too cold? Cold. Comedy action? Comedy. Fashion shoot or car shoot? Oof. Uh, (laughs) Car. Oh, good answer. That was a good one. Like cramp. Singing in front of an audience or dancing in front of an audience? Dancing. Mountain biking or snowboarding? Nowadays, snowboarding. Passion project for free or huge payday with nightmare clients? Passion project. Bad acting or bad directing? Bad directing. I message group chat with the crew or Zoom meeting with the crew? The whole group. <laughs> Everybody's in that group chat. Everybody's Zoom. in that Zoom. Zoom. So let me sh- over short. Okay, quicker. one iMessage group chat or five days in a row of a Zoom meeting with the entire crew. <laughs> iMessage. <laughs> <laughs> two takes or 20 takes? That's a weird question. Two. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's, I knew it was a weird question. Massive budget but less creative control or zero budget but all the creative control? I'll go with the what was the, the first one because I think the other one's a little like loaded of a question. Hey, we just yeah. want we just want to hear you say I like the money. Give yeah. me the money. Money. <laughs> All right, viral YouTube video or Vimeo staff pick. Staff pick. It's still I have have never got it and I want it so bad. Never got it. No, jeez, man. you're hardly qualified to gotta, be at this table with I us. I know. <laughs> gotta get Liam Mullany out here. <laughs> Rub his back and get some like, good luck off him. Uh, bad set deck or bad wardrobe. Uh, wardrobe bad makeup or bad wardrobe wardrobe bad wardrobe bad sound or bad light uh, bad light good crafty or rapping early good crafty definitely losing a job <laughs> to another DP or getting the job instead of the other DP but the job ended up kind of sucking uh, I like working so I'll, I'll take the job okay Carrying a Ronin all day for a five-day shoot or doing one triathlon? Uh, triathlon's way less taxing. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It's three hours. All right. Then. So you'll take the triathlon? Triathlon, yeah. <laughs> great actor that's a dick or a decent actor that's great to work with? Um, decent actor. Practical effects or visual effects? Practical. Indoor or outdoor shoots? Indoor. Waiting for an airplane to pass for clean audio or waiting for a makeup artist to do their final touch-ups? Music's really getting to me right now. Um, (laughs) So you want more? (laughs) I knew this was going to mess with you. Um, Airplane, because no one's got control of that. Okay, all right. Okay, and finally... 
in the final edit, a shot that's slightly out of focus or a shot that's slightly overexposed. Uh, overexposed. Oh. Whoa, that was easier oh. than we thought. And that's this or that. that. That's this or that. Well that done. Was good job. That was fun. <laughs> well, yeah, we had to like dig pretty deep to get some like on set specific this or that's, but uh, you did a great job. Dave, why'd you say two takes or 20 takes? Of course he's going to say two takes. No, what I meant from that was you don't feel like you got enough takes or mm. you felt like you got you did way too many than you needed. Yeah, I think the question would have been like two or four. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. is like annoying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Oh, man. <laughs> Not the number, but... We've like, definitely like done 20 takes on our sets for oh, sure. So, a lot of times on all, or set, all sets. Yeah. And then the second take was perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you watch it in the edit and you're like, oh, that's embarrassing. Sadly. Sadly. Well, thanks for feeding off us today, yeah. Byron. Are words you... to live by. Are, yeah. Yeah. Feeding Take those words to heart, people. No, seriously. Do you um, listen every week? Are, uh, I haven't listened to everyone, but I've listened oh. to a bunch. Oh, um, yeah. I well, thought you were going to say you hadn't listened to any. No, I've done a bunch. Oh, nice. Name 12. <laughs> 12. <laughs> uh, Ollie, Brett Tippy. <laughs> Oh, please stop there. Please stop yeah. there. Yeah, thanks for having us. You feeling metaphorically full? Yeah. You want, you want to promote anything you want to plug? This is your opportunity. Follow Byron on Instagram. I'll do that one for you. You lost your Instagram a couple years ago. Yeah, I had to start from scratch. It was a pain. Why? I didn't have a huge following, but I had much more than I had now. They just said I, I something about community standards that like you and. I couldn't get a hold of them. I did Facebook and Instagram both at the same time. Did you have inappropriate content content up? No. Just dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> nothing? Nothing. You think nothing. it was just like an error? Yeah. For sure. I did nothing wrong. And, sure. and you just it just completely got closed. You just opened up Instagram one day and it's gone. Gone. Oh, wow. what a tragedy. Okay, we'll yeah. go follow Byron then. Yeah, go get follow Get his numbers Byron. up. Yeah. yeah. Byron Cotman with a K. And uh, a website to go see uh, your beautiful work. Yeah, byroncotman.com. And, you know, Is if you it? type in Byron Cotman into YouTube, well, at least on our computers, it's mostly just <laughs> our videos <laughs> that come up. I'm I'm in the um, quarantine video. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, you are. Yeah. And you uh, crushed it. You actually, yeah, that was you my first. Great. That was my acting debut. Yeah, yeah. And you did get spotted on the streets. Yeah. Twice. Ooh. Twice. Yeah. From that video. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> what, what happened there? Nothing. No, like, I mean, like, what did they say? <laughs> you weren't offered a role in a major film immediately. <laughs> I was luckily I didn't have a bag of cash. I had to sign them. Oh, yeah. That's annoying, eh? Yeah, Some greasy a... producers like, you got just the look I need. <laughs> You're like, I never say no. <clears throat> Who else? Vimeo, if you're listening, give him a staff pick. Yeah. Come I, haven't on. I haven't posted for a while. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. I think all you need to do is really like send an email, isn't it? it? I don't like, know. If it's that simple, I, I don't want it. I think you just like do a random name at Vimeo.com, like David at Vimeo.com, Jason mm -hmm. at Vimeo.com. You put in enough names, I'm sure you're going to reach someone. Isn't that pretty much all it is? Uh, it, the thing is, the videos are good. Like, they're not just nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah you, they should be good. <laughs> All right, well, that's a podcast, yeah. everybody. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Remember to do the things that you never do, like subscribe and rate. Please leave us a rating. We need to read some ratings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Please troll Speak us. Pipe. Just anything. <laughs> Give us that free content. Speak pipe. Uh, leave us a message. What is it? Speakpipe.com slash feeding off each other. That's mm -hmm. the one. Hit the link in the description. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for 
finally coming through. Thanks for having it me. It was great to have you. Mm-hmm. And as always. As always. Thank you for listening to Feeding Off Each Other. Please subscribe for more great podcasts.